This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Hello and good evening. Ma'am, fam, and Mad About Movies VIPs, Kent Garrison here, coming to you live from beautiful Southern California, and joined remotely this evening by my cohorts from Texas, mm. Richard and Brian. Hey, guys. Hey, what buddy. Technology is a powerful thing. I'm thankful for you get it. Cut? Did you get cut Good. today? <laughs> I didn't get cut yet. Oh, yes. But um, at the rate we're going here. still alive. If they knew what I did behind the scenes, I would have been cut a long time ago. Let me tell you that right now. A lot, of, a lot most of my day is spent covering my tracks and making sure a lot of shoplifting. Yeah, don't really yeah. find out about the uh, candy that I steal on a regular basis from my local convenience store. No, I'm out at uh, Cowboys training camp again. This is my annual couple of weeks away from you guys, but. The convenient part about it is, is A, like I said, we have this technology that allows us to keep doing the show, and B, I'm about a mile away from a movie theater, so I'm going to get to see all the movies that nice. are coming out during this time, and the show must go on, and it's, a, it's actually a pretty convenient situation. could be a lot worse. So, having said that... But they have movie theaters in California? They do. They're actually... Weird. Hey, guys, shocker. shocker they're more expensive here than they are mm, in Texas. Man. Yeah. Yep. I know it's uh, surprising, but um, we're double dipping tonight. The show must go on, like I said, and lots to catch up on in the movie news, rumors, rumblings world, and in the review world, and we have a guest joining us later to talk Dunkirk, but mm. we do have a little bit of house cleaning. This is the first episode <laughs> we're recording that, uh, this is the first episode we're recording for the normal audience. Because we've uh, we have the Mam Fam, of course, but we do, like I mentioned earlier, have the Mad About Movies VIPs. And if you didn't catch our episode last time, we started a VIP club, uh, a Patreon VIP club, where we're going to be doing a lot of cool, fun things for those people. And we started it last week by releasing an episode on the Fifth Element, where we talked about Luke Besson's filmography and a little bit about Valerian before it came out, and of course his quote unquote masterwork the fifth element uh actually leon's probably his masterwork but uh mm -hmm. the fifth element has been called a masterwork by some which we did discuss in that episode <laughs> so our mad about movies vips got access to that and um it's been really 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 great to see the response to the vip club and mm -hmm. uh, we got a lot of cool things in the works we got some exclusive shirts designed for you guys some stickers designed for you guys and, um, of course, one of the things you get as a member of the MAMFAM VIP club on Patreon is you get a shout-out on the show. So what we're going to do right now is uh, we're going to pull up some shout-out music uh, on the show. We're going to shout-out our lowest tier. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is a Puff Daddy, yeah. Uh, we're going to shout-out our lowest tier people. And these are people that have decided that they want to support 
uh, just beyond the free downloads a week. I want to make sure the show keeps going and also want some bonus content. So this hey, mo- and also we should say, you know, we've only been doing these these throwbacks weekly for a few months. And so, we're, like, just to reiterate, we're going to move that channel, the throwback channel, over to the VIP. But we will still do one throwback a month on just the regular Ma- right. Mad About Movies feed. So you, you won't be total if you can't afford the, the $4 a month, we get it. And uh, we, you will never not have, first off, you'll have an episode a week, just like always, and you'll get a throwback a month uh, in this feed as well. So, yeah. So the throwbacks aren't going away completely. It's just that the, the VIP club will get more of them than the normal audience. Which is, uh, and they'll get other stuff too, movie commentaries and Q and A's and chats and things like that. Uh, but that's already begun, and we really just appreciate these supporters. So, I'm going to run through this list really quick, and this is a, uh, this is the, I guess, uh, inaugural class of the Mad About Movies VIP Club. So we're going to shout them out: Michael Doyle, what up? Brandon Smiley, thank you. Valentino Ivazaj, thank you very much. Timothy Bevel, Shannon Duffy, hey Shannon. Jack Nivison, Jeff. Pijanza, Amanda Schlachtra. I'm sure I'm butchering all these, but yeah. um, well, yeah. we're from hey, Texas. Send us a message on Patreon and let us know how to pronounce your name, and we'll uh, we'll redo it if we screwed it up. I'm usually very good at this, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Miles Basso, thanks. Craig Ainsworth, Megan Spell, Tyler Lowe, Alex Jankowski, TJ Meyer, Matt Hannigan, John Manasco, Joshua South. <laughs> Joshua Souter, who has been, uh, who did our pins and has been a cool supporter. So thanks. Uh, be on the lookout for our, our pins in the VIP club. AJ Williams, Chantel Loju, Matt Fry, Abigail Miller, Andy Armstrong, Elliot Max, Jacob Paul Dial, Garrett Elliott, which I think is Jason Garrett and Zico Elliott's weird twin something spawn. Uh, Olivia Robinson. Uh, Mick Matson, Matthew Brophy, somebody who's just named H, which is awesome. Apparently a member <laughs> of the Men in Black or something. Um, Justin Cutsinger, Scott Peterson. A lot of downtime in the Men in Black. You know, yeah. you got to fill that with something. It's just it's where the email address is just h at gmail.com. Like, how did you get that? No. Um, so hey, great. It's so cool. All right. Just a few more. Amy Carter. Thank you, Amy. Jeremiah Baker. Chris Townsend, Adam Har, and Bill Patrick. Those are One our thing, inaugural I'm not VIP sure patrons. You, I'm not sure if you said Scott Peterson. I did. I think we. Oh, I think I might have talked over you. So make sure you hear that. And then we had one in here that you said you did say uh, to Matt Fry, but I want to take that one back. You are not. You are not. <laughs> thank. We do not thank you, Matt Fry. So just want to. I just want to be clear there. Okay. Uh, so that is the inaugural class, and we have other classes. Um, as well, but we don't have time to shout everybody out tonight. Um, next week, you'll get your day. Yeah, you'll get your day. Yeah, next week we will shout out the members of the I and um, see how many members we've got. Almost fifteen to twenty members of the I, the official I club, and that's the special patrons, and they get more than everybody, of course. But the the twelve dollar range too. That's pretty much uh, the VIP club. Thank you so much, and be on the lookout for extra awesome content on there. Patreon.com/slash/MadAboutMovies. Or hit up our website. The link is right there. So, having said that, movie news, rumors, rumbling time. And uh, Brian, I guess you want to bring us this movie news. I did. I had no idea about this. You guys filled me in before the show. Uh, things are happening. Believe it or not, while I'm out here. So, Brian, I guess some movie news broke 
over the week that I had no idea about. You guys filled me in on it. And um, I guess it's somewhat big news for <laughs> a certain group, a dedicated group. Um, I guess let's talk about it. What, what do we got? So we, uh, we know when the next James Bond movie is headed our way, and that will be November of 2019. And it, it seems like about 99% sure that Daniel Craig is going to come back. So mm-hmm. I, I'm looking right now on the old Google, um, which is a website that I use to find information. I don't know if you guys have ever tried it out before. No, where do you find it? Uh, you just you go to Bing.com first and type in Google. Okay, it, uh, so you Bing it, you Bing it. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. So to make sure you get to that, the old Google is, is seems to be confused on will he or won't he return. So it looks like it, there hasn't been an official word, but it, it may be one of those. It seems to be one of those like worst kept secret kind of things. So I think it's pretty safe to say Daniel Craig's coming back for another round of Bond. And uh, we'll we'll get to see him in action once again in so far, uh, November he's been, 2019. This is his fifth one, correct? Uh huh. Yeah. So this the is the odd, good one. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the odd the odd number ones have been good, very mm-hmm. good. Yeah. The evens being Quantum of Solace and Spectre have not. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm quietly optimistic. Yeah, I am too. Um, question I guess remains. Maybe is Sam Mendes back on board? Is um, Roger Deakins back on board for uh, for this one, or is it going to be a new director, new spin on it, uh, something like that? Do we know anything like that? Louis Lettier, and it's literally yeah. a new spin. Mm-hmm. Literally, a new spin. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen anything on director. I don't think it's going to be Mendes. So could be wrong, but we'll we'll see. Um, Le- Spectre is such a weird thing because it just seemed. It seemed like Craig and Mendez both were so mailing it in on all fronts. So that, boring. Man. Yeah. It's, and that, it's not that's not even bad. I mean, it's right, bad. Right. But yeah. it's not like it takes a lot of swings and it just fails. It just like doesn't, nothing happens. It's just yeah. So... I, I think, yes, you're totally right, Richard. Like when I was, when I saw this news come across, I was trying to even think of what the title of the lab that movie was. You know, I had to, and I, I mean, Quantum of Solace. I don't I'm, even. I still don't think I've seen Quantum of Solace to this day. Um, Quantum of Solace is not particularly Spectre good. Spectre always looks stuff my mind happens. Too. Yeah, Spectre. Yeah. I, I literally had to IMDb it to try to figure <laughs> out what the title was. And I was like, that really wasn't that long ago. And this is what, this is what we do is just do stupid movie stuff. And I couldn't even think. So I think that shows like how little impact that the movie made. So I, I like Daniel Craig as Bond. I would love to have him back, but I want I want him checked in. I don't want him, you know, just half mailing the whole thing in the whole time. So I you know, yeah. we'll see. But well, I think it's I think it's exciting. I think it's good news, but we need yeah. full effort. Well from uh from the rumor central, the target for this to direct is Paul McGuigan who did Sherlock, the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock. Oh yeah yeah. Okay. That so cool. that's right. who they're trying to court to do this. I think that'd be cool. Maybe add a little more intelligentsia to to James Bond, um, sure. which they've done over the past couple ones. You know, it's not it's mm-hmm. very low on the gadgetry and very high on his swagger. You know, and him getting himself uh, through things. Yeah, I, I definitely think in hindsight, and we did do an episode on uh, Spectre and Skyfall. If you would mm-hmm. like to uh, go back and revisit those, but yeah. I don't think I've thought about Spectre once since it came Damn. out. And the whole, when they tried to keep Christoph Waltz a secret on his true identity, a secret that kind of fell flat too. Uh, mm-hmm. everyone saw that coming. It was like, speaking of Cumberbatch, it was like the, the, uh, 
his character in, in Into Darkness. You know, you weren't you weren't fooling anybody with this. We know what we're getting coming in. It was kind of a swing and a miss, and, and people got kind of down on Bond, and then rumors started swirling that Daniel Craig wouldn't return. Um, I'm excited that he's returning. I think he's solid as Bond. I think he's as solid as a Bond as you would want, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I'm interested in the, in the shakeup. I'm interested, though, like everybody, on who they're going to get next, because there is going to be a next James Bond. I, I want Tom Hardy. I think Tom Hardy would be an awesome James Bond. Um, he wouldn't be audible, but he would be really good at <laughs> He would have a mask over his face, you know, but I think he would be, I think he would be really good. Um, I like Ben Wishaw a lot. If they kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, pass the torch and Q became the next Bond or something. I think that would be a cool little twist. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, Idris Elba's name comes up all the time. I'm not opposed to that. I, I think they really could work in some kind of James Bond as a code name, you know, for, um, for an agent and it's not really their true identity. I think they could do something like that and, and really get away with anything. Um, and Daniel Craig has kind of proven that you don't really have to fit the mold of the tall, dark, handsome guy to be James Bond. You can be different than that. It's not necessarily a role that only one type of actor or one certain look can, can occupy. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. And man, you guys are going to love him and Logan Lucky later this year, oh, uh, later in August. Wait. He he steals the movie, and you're like, man, this guy. It changed my the way I perceive Daniel Craig. It really did, and maybe that's why. Maybe the people, the Bond people, saw that movie, and they're like, man, we need to sign this guy now because he's about to. You know, people are about to be calling him after. The, I I consider Bond obviously a breakout role, but Logan Lucky is unlike anything he's ever done, and uh, we're really gonna enjoy that, but. I guess it would be more news if, you know, uh, somebody else was Bond besides Daniel Craig, but it's good to have him sure, back nonetheless. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess who's going to be the Bond girl? I mean, Denise I Richards, Christmas Jones makes a return before. or something like that. Yeah. Or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Sarah Jelvin actually signed on. Oh, okay, no. I'm out. Hint's out. I'm automatically out. By the way, we didn't talk about Valerian. Um, uh, next not week, making bro. Any... Let's do it. Oh, we have to do that. There's nothing out this weekend. <laughs> Pretty sure we could find something. Let's push the big sick to next week and just take this rest of the night off. But um, not opposed to that at all. But yeah, it, Valerian, I guess, as expected, didn't make the splash. Shocker. It should have in the United really? States. Very but, surprising. Um, I'm sure it'll be fine because. Again, he is the Spielberg of France, or claims to be. No, it's not that many. I mean, it's a two hundred and something million dollar budget. God, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And he said, "I read a very interesting um, interview with Luke Besson that I, I quoted a couple of his quotes and sent them to you guys because of how yeah. how up his own butt uh, Luke Besson is." <laughs> He's like, "Oh yeah, well, we've already sold ninety five percent of the budget back in pre sales." I was like, "No, you didn't." Yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah. You did not do 195 million in pre-sales or whatever. Um, that is that's just untrue. And um, he's like, yeah, people criticize me when I cast Cara Delevingne because they're like, man, she can't act. But I showed them with Valeria, and it's like, did you? Did you really show us that uh, she's she's a star? I don't I don't know. Um, I like Dane DeHaan a lot. I think he has a a, a future in a certain kind of film. I think if he took the Paul Dano route, he would be a very successful actor. 
but uh, will remains to be seen what his career goes. But yeah, Valerian, not the hit that nobody anticipated. Well, shout out to the uh, VIPs. Exciting news about Bond. And uh, Bond's really a character that I haven't gotten tired of. Every time I think I get tired of it, a good James Bond movie comes out, and uh, they kind of mm-hmm. re- reinvent the wheel every single time. And, um, man, I just don't know how you can be better than Skyfall, as far as what I'm looking for in a Bond movie. Okay. You know, extremely well shot, and yeah. creative, and um, good performances and directing, and a, and a villain that's intriguing. Uh, I think that, that that one hit the home run for me. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's what they're, they're, I guess they're trying to top at this point. Okay, good times. Let's take a quick break for a swig of water and welcome in our guest and talk Dunkirk. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. We are joined by a guest right now who has been an awesome supporter of the show and has been interactive on social media and email and always has great thoughts and I think is a member of the Mad About Movies VIP club. Is that correct? Oh, gosh. Um, well, what Not an introduction yet. and what a big letdown. Yeah, I have been so busy. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> That's kind of the you know story of my life right there. But um, no, I have not had a chance yet. So, gosh, I hate to say gosh. that, but. Then again, I'm on the show, so I yeah. guess it makes she's sense. Kind of, she's kind of like a pre-VIP, right? Yeah, like she, she got she's in on the list. Yeah. She's like on that. the list. She doesn't like have to that. wait in line. Even right. if I doctored the list myself while y'all weren't looking, it's it's really okay. No, <laughs> There's a big so Samoan much. guy with a clipboard and her name's on it. <laughs> exactly. He's a buddy of mine, so we're good. <laughs> so we are joined by Hannah Roberts on the show. Round of applause. Welcome, Hannah. 
to the show. It's it's been a long time coming now. And if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, which I assume you have, if you're being our guest, you're going to be put through the ringer here with two hard-hitting brain busters. Ready? Gosh, okay. I'm ready. Question number one. Have you seen MacGruber? You know what? I have not, and I well, feel it's been like great. it's been great, and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll have you on some other time. Just let us know oh when you've gosh. done that. And Okay, no, so, so here's the story is I remember the <laughs> SNL skits from years ago, like the OG um, mm-hmm. MacGruber skits, like he hasn't checked his stocks in months, the whole nine yards. I, I loved those skits, and I've never been able to find – um, get my hands on a copy of the movie. So, yeah, still still working on that one. But I've seen clips from it, and oh my gosh, like, yeah, hilarious, hilarious. We, we, I need to, um, I need to watch. That. Yeah. We can we can point you in the right direction mm. on how to watch Please. MacGruber. But uh, question number two: uh, Have you seen now? You see me. <laughs> I have. Um, my neck tattoo looks great. Jaden, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it looks so good in Gothic font. I just couldn't pass it up y'all. So, um, I'm very dedicated fan. Um, you could call me a fan girl if you would. Um, yeah, no, I have seen the movie. Um, I, how many words for abomination are there in the dictionary? <laughs> I, I don't actually know. I think we've used but, all of uh, them know. though. Yeah. We've yeah, used we could, everyone. We could take the time for the podcast. Just, just, you know putting that through the ringer and, and I'd be mm-hmm. okay with that. What hey, we can do that. Travesty, but yeah. I mean, Hey, <laughs> let's do it. Mad about, um, Mad about now you me, see but... me pretty yes, much. It's so... pretty much what the show is anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But... Which is okay. I mean, I'm cool with that. Y'all, uh, y'all have <laughs> given everybody really a good, uh, a good idea of what the movie's like if they haven't seen it, but yes, unfortunately I have. Um, and I loved y'all's, uh, you had the, the commentary, you know, yeah. you guys put out a while ago. Oh, yeah. That was a fun. Forgot, so. forgot we did a commentary on that too. Man, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we spent way too much time on this out, over like, the years. I cannot wait. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I heavily edited. I think right. so. Oh yeah. gosh, it, the the real version was far too explicit, right? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was. It was uh-huh. just me yeah. screaming into a mic. It was. It was inaudible. It was. <laughs> right. It wasn't really a podcast as much as just a sound of me. Screaming. Like performance art, basically. Right. <laughs> Interpretive that's, performance art, right. That's exactly, yeah, exactly. Okay. Throw money at him. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a big... I was trying to through the phone. It didn't, it didn't work. <laughs> this is a big night on the show. You picked a really, really good week to be here. Because for me, and I know for Brian, and I'm not sure about Richard, this is one of my most anticipated movies of the year, if not the totally. summer. And had this one circled forever. For me. Uh, <laughs> Valerian. Uh, emojis for me, but that's, oh, yeah, true. still got to get to that in a bonus episode. Anyway, yeah. maybe I'll you do that. Wanna, you just want to see if your tattoo made it into the film. Yeah, right. <laughs> my, my poo, my poo and tattoo. And I assume you're talking about, you know, Girls Trip, right? That That's the one oh, I had signed up for. Yeah. Man, that or crush, no. though, that it killed it. That would have been money. a good... Yeah. Uh, summer movie draft sleeper. If we went like nine rounds deep, that would have been. I didn't even know what it was until I saw a poster. I was like, oh boy, okay. <laughs> Why didn't I choose that? Yeah, no. I, I've seen okay. that trailer Big probably ratings. 30 times this year in various screenings. <laughs> and um, it got a great response every single time. And when I went to the theater to go see Dunkirk, uh, like everybody ahead of me in line was going to see Girls Trip. So 
It definitely wow. had an audience and uh, did very well. And so, critically, it's like uh, low 90s on uh, Is right? it really? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Like 88%, something like no, that. Unexpected. Like, Unexpected. Yeah. Like original comedies doing well. That's never a bad thing. So mm-hmm. I expect a Christmas version of that to come out very soon. It's <laughs> like Bad Moms Christmas. Is Bad Moms Christmas the most necessary movie of the year? I think so. It just right. says the most, you know, probably about about Saint Nick. Um, okay. All right. So Dunkirk. This is a big this yeah. is a big one, like I said, for me. But um man, this was this was an experience to watch and um I'm just really really blown away at Christopher Nolan. Uh, this is a guy who has done everything you can do as a director. I mean, he's, he's broken box office records. He's, he reinvented one of the most iconic characters of all time in Batman. He, you know, he did a very ambitious sci-fi project, uh, not sci-fi, but, uh, I guess space movie with interstellar. (laughs) And, um, he, he definitely uh, has one of the more intellectually successful movies of all time with Inception and one of the more, some of the most complex movies of all time with Memento. I mean, this guy and The Prestige, and I can go on and on about uh, his filmography, but this is a whole new level. And He did an Airbud too. I don't remember which <laughs> I think... one. <laughs> I think that was actually, you're wrong. It was Most Valuable Primate. It was actually oh, the monkey right. version of, right. of Airbud. Yeah. Yeah, it was close. That's, that one's, and that's underrated. I mean, you could see it. The way the timelines all come together at the end and everything is <laughs> yeah, classic yeah. Nolan. It is. <laughs> It's the it's uh the way, the way he worked the linear storylines and mixed that up it's just genius. Yeah. Um but this Zimmer using the buzzer as as a part of his score is just <laughs> yeah. oh gosh, that That's was impressive. that was a classic as well. I yeah. know. This was extremely like I said a, an extreme experience for me but extremely eye-opening in a lot of areas and it really is just it's an extremely simple film the way it's shot and the way they go about it. Um it's a very traditional war film. Um, in its style, but in its structure, it's very untraditional. So I really appreciated that and the way he kind of mixed up the different perspectives and the different timelines and how you, you don't see things necessarily in chronological order. You do, but from different perspectives and, uh, and it goes back and forth and back and forth. And it always had me guessing on, on, uh, the, I guess the, the true end of the movie, which is, um, who's going to survive, right? Which of these characters are going to survive? How does this battle end? You know, what happens? I was very unfamiliar with the Dunkirk story before this. Um, mm-hmm. apparently, apparently it's a very big story in the UK and they, you know, they learn about it. Like we learn about, you know, um, Gettysburg or something like that in the U S and, Grenada. Uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, the Alamo in Texas, <laughs> but, um, I was just blown away by this movie, the scale of it, the execution was was great, and like I said, it's just old school, badass filmmaking, to a T. And this is already a modern day classic. Like this feels like a movie that's forty years old that has aged mm. perfectly. You know, it just has that timeless feel to it already. And I love this movie. I'm excited to talk about it. So, Hannah, you get the first word here. <laughs> oh, cool. So, um. Well, I mean, you said it all pretty much just there, but honestly, I I struggle to figure out where to begin with this um this film just in general thoughts, but I'll start by saying out by that the first word that came to my mind was masterpiece. I mean, truly, um Nolan is such an incredible storyteller and this is a giant story to tell um about humanity and 
for this to be Nolan's first stab at a historical event, um, just utterly spectacular and so unique. I don't think anyone else could have made this film but Nolan, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the whole thing unfolds is is quite literally breathtaking. I mean, it really, I was sitting in the theater just like, my mind was blown. It just, it it's nonstop. It didn't slow down and you're on the edge of your seat and you stay there, you know. Um, so realistic and so emotional and it was very thought provoking and you just leave thinking about it. I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head when I left the theater. Um, and it's artistic and intricate and that, yeah, it makes it totally, totally unique. And as the viewer, you're just transported to whatever is happening. And it's such a powerful and, you know, really visceral way, um, that I was just, I was blown away, utterly blown away watching this film. And I don't think that it's an exaggeration to say that it will continue to stun me time after time, you know, view after view, and it just knocked me off my feet. So such a grand scale to deal with here. And for me, it was just remarkable to experience. What what a piece of art. I agree. Um, Brian or Richard, want to hop in here? Yeah, look, Nolan's my... Uh, probably second favorite director going right now behind behind Spielberg and you know Spielberg occupies that space um as much for tradition and and history as he does more so for tradition and history than he does for you know his current filmmaking um there's you guys both kind of touched on it there's really no one like Christopher Nolan um I love pretty much all of every one of his films um Insomnia is the only one that I'm not super enthusiastic about, but but everything else he does, I I just I think there's stuff you can point out as far as flaws with this movie as with most of his other films. Um, but I I I just feel like everything he I don't know, I just respect so much the way he approaches every film and uh the time and effort that he puts into like creating the most ambitious version of that film. Like you said, Hannah, you didn't think anyone else could direct this film. Mm. And I think you're totally right. Like any, there's plenty of people who could do a movie about Dunkirk and I'm surprised that it hasn't been done up to this point, but there's nobody out there. I don't think at least, at least making mainstream films that could do this version of Dunkirk, right? Like they could do this, um, wild kind of this nonlinear storytelling and the way it all comes together. I don't, I don't, I would not trust that into the hands of, of pretty much any other, any other guy out there. Um, he's just so, he's so talented. And I think it sometimes, I think his penchant for making things more, um, complex than maybe they need to be, or maybe you think they need to be (laughs) at least. Um, I think that, I think that causes, problems for some people um it doesn't for me i love it i love that he's out there trying to do something different and that he's got a vision that he's going to bring to the screen and i also i appreciate i one of the things that i've always appreciated about his films is his ability to tell complex stories without becoming convoluted and overly complicated and whatnot and i i love that i love that he can uh this is a less complex film than like inception or something but um, to take three storylines and blend them together, uh, three historical storylines and, and blend them together like this. I don't, um, I think that can get, I think that could have gotten away from just about any other director really fast. And so I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. I've said before the, the five minute preview that we saw of, or the five minute clip 
of Dunkirk oh, yeah. that we yeah. saw in Rogue One. That's yeah. the best. That was better than anything in Rogue One. Um, and I mean, that was my favorite part of that movie. And I liked Rogue One just fine. It just this is it's something something different. And um, I I I, I just like you know when we talked about Baby Driver a few weeks ago. I just I love. I love stupid action movies and comedies and all that sort of stuff, and I'm all for them. But I, man, I love leaving a theater when I've seen a movie done by a true, like, real filmmaker, um, like Christopher Nolan, like Edgar Wright, like Quentin Tarantino, any of these, you know, the the top of the top, um, because you just feel, I don't know, I left feeling like the story itself is there's a lot to wrestle with, and I'm trying to you know, deal with the emotions of that, that you go through whenever you watch a war movie or something like that. But just from a gosh, I love movies kind of guy. It's, I'm just so pumped up walking out of, uh, of this film and, and just amazed at his ability to, to bring things together and, and put that on the screen. So I'm high on this. I really liked it a lot. I'm with, you know, I'm with you guys. Um, and it's, I think it's a testament to Nolan's filmography that I'm not, walking out saying man that's the best movie he's ever done because it's really hard to compare it's really hard to pick between uh all of the films that that he's put out thus far so um but man it's it's great and i'm i'm looking forward to to getting deeper into it richard uh sorry i took the mic forever what about you man how do you feel uh it was all right no <laughs> uh, uh no it's uh you know it's 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 someone in uh in nolan that takes big interesting artistic risks in a popcorn setting it's really kind of like maybe the only director right now that i mean maybe yeah i guess edgar wright too but a few others that are are making sort of like really passion projects really not compromising on a vision and still doing it in a scale of the blockbuster film which while we have kind of a and and I get why the economics are this way, but while we kind of have an uh you know an epidemic of sort of brainless um, uh, summer entertainment, we equally have kind of a you know small pretentious film uh, epidemic going on on the other side. Mm. And rarely do those worlds merge, where it's something interesting and insightful, and you know kind of soulful and and smart and all of these things. And it's done with like a $200 million budget or whatever. And that's always like, that's the best because they don't really make those movies anymore. And to see a movie that's very much for an adult audience, not because it's overtly violent. It's not really, I mean, mm-hmm. aside from violence of war, not because it has sort of any sort of content issues, but it's a movie meant for the adult brain to be processed by an adult brain. Uh, for that big a budget is, is rare. And like, you know, I enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy and I enjoy, enjoy things, but it's a certain part of my uh, childish brain probably that enjoys them. And it's nice to like walk out and kind of feel the tingling of the neurons in your scalp that you like thought through something and mm. had an interesting experience and felt unique tension and experienced kind of uh, interesting music um, and felt like, man, that was just cool too. Like I just ate popcorn and enjoyed it. And so that's such a fun. Uh, really invigorating experience, especially when it's like us three and and you two, Hannah, <laughs> who see a lot of movies yeah. and you get jaded and you get. I mean, I don't like anything 
anymore. Even things I like, I don't really make me excited because it's even things that are done well. What does it mean that, that was done well? Well, it followed this formula that I, that we've decided aesthetically is the correct formula for that type of film, whether it's pop culture, pop, yeah. a blockbuster, or um, uh, you know, an Oscar film. But there is a certain template for both of those things, and when things fit in that template, you say, and it's probably lazy criticism on our part. Oh, that was good, right? Because that was that executed within that template well. Um, mm. But when something like this comes out, it's like a new template. And it's a, a template not rarely used. And so when you see a lot of movies like we do, you think, oh, wow, that was different. That was an exciting. I got to kind of be uh, like I hadn't been in the movies in a year again. And th- and so it's hard to really rate this uh, well. I'll, I will give it a good grade because it's very good. But it's it's almost hard to because you're so such an invigorating experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It. <laughs> I mean, it it blew me away right from the beginning. I mean, there's no opening credits at all, you know, in the movie. I think there's a black screen that says Dunkirk, mm-hmm. and then it goes straight into the movie. You're right in it, and I think uh, it it reminded me of War of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. In fact, I I, I counted uh, no dialogue for like the first ten minutes of the film. Bombs falling, this huge battle, this ambush happens, and I think the first dialogue that we get is somebody says, where's the bloody Air Force? You know, mm-hmm. and that, like, sets the tone for the entire movie. Um, I really liked how they had, I mean, you could have made a movie off one of the three main storylines, right? Like, the soldiers in Dunkirk, like, the actual infantrymen of Dunkirk. The Air Force, the Tom Hardy aspect of it, and then the uh, then the boat aspect, right? Um, mm-hmm. The kind of citizens' rescue of the uh, uh, of the movie, and it, you know each of those was extremely interesting and had you know several layers to them by themselves. But I think combined, like you said, like when you take a traditional war film and flip it on its head, that's that's innovation. You know, that's, that's when you take, like you said, that's when you break the mold, Richard is where, um, you know, he could have come out here and just done a total chronological. Here's the battle of Dunkirk and probably done a very good job, but I really respect Nolan for not going about it that way and for doing his own vision for it and for adding, um, you know, giving us a different way to tell the story or or telling the story in a different way. Uh, I should say, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, yeah, it's sh- like a breath of fresh air, you know? Exactly. It, 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 this could have been a by-the-books war film and still probably would have gotten a recommend from me if it had been, you know, executed as well as something like a Black Hawk Down or something like that. Just, some, just you know, a very solid war movie. Um, but this, it, it was different than that. It was, it was way different. I didn't notice a lot of steady cam in the movie. You know, uh, Saving Private Ryan was very is very well known for being totally, you know, the shoulder cam the entire time. You're right in the action. You know, the camera sh- doesn't hesitate to shake around when there's an explosion. It really wants to make you feel like you're in the battle mm-hmm. from that first person perspective. That's really the only way Spielberg and his, and his cinematographer, Janusz Kaminski could tell that story accurately was to be in D-Day. You know, you're in the water with Tom Hanks. You're, you know, you're, you're behind the barricades when they're getting shot at. And, and it really does give you a great sense, but you know, no one didn't stick to any type of formula that way. He didn't stick to the shoulder cam. He didn't stick to the steady cam. He, 
you know, like a, like Stanley Kubrick did in, in uh, Full Metal Jacket, which I still think, you know, we talked about Full Metal Jacket in a throwback episode. Still think it's a little too polished for a war movie and it's mm-hmm. cinematography and everything. It does have that kind of very meticulous Stanley Kubrick feel to it. Uh, this didn't. This had the shoulder cam at times. It had the dolly shots at times. Um, it had the amazing aerial photography oh, that Christopher yeah. Nolan is known for. I mean, just some gorgeous shots. It was unreal. Um, yeah. Out, yeah, outside of the actual effects of the explosions and guns and the the actual scale of how many troops that they got to shoot this movie and everything, um, it's just beautifully shot, and um, it's a masterpiece artistically. You know, you could watch this movie on mute and think it was a, you know, a, you know, a, you could put this in a museum frame by frame if you wanted to and i would not argue mm-hmm. with you i mean it's it's it looks that good which leads us to a conversation surrounding the film which this was shot you know traditionally in imax a lot of the time this was shot in a very large scale format i didn't get to see this in a large scale i saw this in a standard movie theater this the, not even the xd or whatever they call it you know the uh um large format screen it was just mm-hmm. the standard uh widescreen and I still thought it looked great and had as much scale as I could have imagined. But like you said, Brian, we did see the IMAX five-minute scene that they showed before Rogue One, and I was blown away at the IMAX stuff. Did you, any of you guys get to see it in a large format? I went to it like the XD theater. I couldn't make it out to the full IMAX 70 millimeter. Like the closest one was 30 miles away, and I just couldn't get it done. But I'm I'm hoping. Next week I'll have time to go and do that because I've I've heard from everybody basically it's a you know it's a different movie in that format. Yeah. So I got the closest thing that I could get this time around and it worked pretty well. But I'm I am dying to see it in that theater we saw Rogue One in too. Uh yeah, I, I am too. Did you, you did, Hannah? Did you see it in a normal theater, normal setting? I did um, one viewing and I also saw it in IMAX. So um, nice. Yeah, it was a good weekend for me, um, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, I did, and and I really wanted to, um, because I I you know you hear about how it's shot, and when Christopher Nolan tells you to go see it in IMAX, you go see it in IMAX. So so I did do that, um, but I saw it regular format at first. You know, it wasn't it wasn't uh, or in a regular theater, I should say. Um, but it it was still incredible. I mean, it, there's the IMAX um, also added a lot to the sound. This movie is filled with mm-hmm. sound, and so. That did add a little bit of an extra element, you know, stacked on top of the large format. That's um, both amazing. I mean, I'd like to see it in in IMAX again, <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. but that doesn't really um, necessarily make or break the movie. Yeah, I, I saw it in IMAX. Deal with it, Brian. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yes, Richard, I, Team IMAX. <laughs> I'm going to see it in IMAX if it's still out in IMAX. When I'm able to see it, I will definitely do that. It just didn't work with my schedule, but. No, I'm, I'm having I'm it all close for it. it early before you get back in town. Actually, <laughs> it me quite a bit. That's what I hate about IMAX <laughs> is that, you know, you can only see it for like two weeks before freaking yeah. Valerian, you know, or whatever has to <laughs> take. Oh, sorry, we've reserved the IMAX. You know, it's something that's just, you know, what was it a few years ago? Like Grown Ups 2 was in like, <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. It, it was a Sandler movie that was in the large format screen no. at my theater and they had... Um, they took out gravity for it, I think. I was like, why would you remove what? gravity from this theater and put in a comedy? 
Who sees comedies in large format, first of all? Golly, uh, that must have just been a joke on just, the entire, you know. I think so. You're just wasting money <laughs> at that point, but yeah, that's frustrating. Geez. But Hannah, you mentioned the the sound. I was absolutely mm-hmm. blown away by the sound. This will get, you know, multiple sound uh, nominations, I would think, for yep, sound, uh, was, sound editing, sound mixing. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I cannot wait to see what it does in, in the, from the technical side when, when the awards come around. but. Man, I got to give it to Hans Zimmer here because this soundtrack was was great. Did you notice the ticking in the soundtrack? Like, and didn't that was stop actually for the entire movie. Nolan's watch I, was because it? I'm a massive Zimmer fan. I mm-hmm. I have two musicians for parents, and and I grew up in a very musical family. And I film scores are pretty much my life. I mean, I love you know getting into it and really really listening and um i have not been able to turn it off like i i i'd like to think that i listen to other music since i saw dunkirk and honestly like it's been hard because <laughs> the score it makes everything intense you know driving to work and getting gas in your car and stuff but no um but actually it it what i had heard was that i mean hans zimmer and sorry to to you know steal mm-hmm. this little portion here but um that was something i actually really wanted to talk about was the score because it was made next level. I mean, this film is obviously incredible, but I think the score truly made it next level. Um, it, it was it would be a different film without um, any of the key components. But the music, to me, is like the backbone of the film. It adds mm-hmm. that layer yeah. of stress and anxiety, and it's very subconscious for people that that aren't necessarily you know into into music. But um, apparently, I mean, Zimmer and Nolan have such a amazingly symbiotic relationship anyway but um i always love seeing them work together what they could do but um but i heard that actually nolan's watch was the ticking like that was his actual personal watch (laughs) so i mean that's yeah that just takes it takes it even up a notch you know or whatever but but uh, yeah incredible yeah you you notice the ticking a little bit but it just Mm -hmm. seeps in your subconscious in the movie to where it doesn't stick out but it adds such an element of urgency to the to the sound and it really does make you feel like they got to get this thing done now because something's about to happen you know uh like there really is a ticking clock Mm -hmm. it's such a genius move i mean yeah i don't even know if i would have noticed the score i'm sure i would have if it's on zimmer but it just made it stuck out immediately and there's a very big moment at the end where the ticking stops and it's Mm -hmm. very purposeful and um it's just a genius narrative move by all involved yeah. but brian what were you gonna yeah. say yeah no and you guys are right it's it's so you know i notice it because i don't pay attention to scores the way you do kent and 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 you do as well hannah so um for me you know i'm i catch it early and then it's such a constant that you kind of forget about it which is perfect that's how it should be it should be driving you um subconsciously because mm-hmm. then when it ends to, you know right towards the end of the film when that cuts out you have this moment of it's both a moment of realization of like oh right that's been happening the whole time and <laughs> yeah. you, you kind of um you kind of involuntarily like breathe out and have this like sigh of relief almost right like, okay. like it's all like over okay stress, i can yeah stress is gone like that's a gosh that's that's an incredible trick you know it's, yeah, it's a really never good seen thing. that before that was just yeah that was really incredible yeah and i mean i we haven't even started to talk about who's in this movie or you know we talked 30 minutes about this film already and there there's so much <laughs> so much to talk about um some of the big set pieces just blew my mind um the bombs falling 
Um, there's one scene where a guy's laying on the beach and the bombs, you know, there's this air raid and the bombs are following, falling and they're just coming straight towards him. You know, you see him in succession blowing up on the beach and, you know, everybody in that scenario is just ducking for cover, you know, and you just got to hope as a soldier that a bomb doesn't land straight on you, you know, because all, that's all you can do is get down and cover your head, you know, and um, the destruction in this is stunning. It really does put in perspective kind of, uh, you know, what these ground troops go through when there's, you know, you're in this kind of uh, Air Force battle to to a certain degree, but um, you still have a war to fight. So so that stuff blew my mind, just kind of the juxtaposition between the air and the ground and how they, you know, cut from the air to Tom Hardy to his situation back to the ground and how they kind of seamlessly worked that together. Um, Christopher Nolan uses the fuel gauge brilliantly here to where, you know, he, he thinks his Tom Hardy thinks his fuel gauge is faulty or whatever. And you don't ever know if it is, but you know that he could eventually run out of fuel and he's keeping track of it throughout the film. And um, again, another sense of urgency created there with the fuel gauge and, uh, and that stuff. The sequence that really struck me was, the medic guys trying to take the guy out on the stretcher, you know, and you're just following them through this battle as they're trying to get to the medical boat before it leaves. And they're at the stretcher and there's, you know, they're getting ambushed or, you know, bombed while this is all going on. And, uh, it was just a, just a stunning sequence there. Mm-hmm. Um, what stuck out to you? Broken though. That... What? Yeah. The gate, the gauge is broken. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, yeah. Yeah, he says, didn't he say something like, it must be broken then, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he, he kind of hints that he's like, it, I think it's broken then, yeah. I think it's implied anyway. I think he, he says it, he says something like, I hope it's broken, or something like that. Like, I hope I really don't have this little of fuel, because I'm about to be down. Right. right? Obviously, you know, yeah. uh, he lasts a little bit longer than that, but I just thought that was genius. How, yeah, that was really cool. How, and the, you, and the, how you never knew when, yeah. he, could, he could go down at any second. You know, and um, it wasn't a. It was definitely a concern for me. Uh, sure. His his well, fuel. Every time oh, they yeah. cut back to him, I was like, "Is he could crash right now?" How and this is gonna. Make it? Yeah, how far is he gonna make it? That was my biggest question in this movie: is how far is he going to make it? And I think the way it ends is uh is appropriate. But I just love that move. Um. Anything else? Stick. What are the big sequences? Do you have? I got two more written down here, but I want to give you guys a chance to uh to kind of uh, jump in here with some something that impressed you with this. I thought the dog fights were really cool because we haven't seen, mm-hmm. I feel like we haven't seen dog fights in a movie in a, in a really long time, um, at least done well. Those were great. I've got some DVDs I can give you of just dog fights. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Got some, some, is that Michael? V- anyway, uh, oh yeah, no, hey, I'm from Atlanta. Be, be careful. <laughs> be careful. Yeah. No, like, I, I thought those were done so, so well. And, uh, we, we just don't really see that kind of thing in film. But the, to me, the, the sequence or the, I guess the, the part of the, of the film that I was the most into was the stuff on the sea, the stuff with Mark Rylance and his mm-hmm. son. And, and those, um, and the way that those, played out and uh the way you know that they built it's you don't have to really build tension there because you know exactly i I think that one is very clear up front like you know that these people are civilians and they are going into the worst of the worst sort of 
yeah, scenario. You're, that, you're thrown right into it with them yeah, too, you know? Yeah, there's, there's no buildup, which I love. I love that. But um, those those sequences, they're certainly not the... I think the the uh, they're probably not the the most actiony of or the most war movie of them, but they were the most for me. They were mo- the most dramatic sequences. Man, I uh, about the um, the dog fights. I I loved how it wasn't pretty. You know, it it really showed. It wasn't Top Gun where they're just flying around, they're just knocking planes out of the air. It really showed how difficult it was to fly those planes. And to actually knock another plane out of the sky, it was it wasn't um, it wasn't polished at all. I, it's just the most realistic view I think we'll ever we we've had up to this point of of what that was like. This wasn't I don't know what was that red uh, red tails or whatever you know something like that. <laughs> yeah. This this was um, this felt like like archive footage to be honest. You know oh, <laughs> what they yes. were doing here. I was thinking the same thing. It's amazing. It was really surreal for me to see um, to see actors portraying because, I mean, I I'm a massive Tom Hardy fan. Anybody that that knows me knows that. But um, but seeing him play, you know, this pilot and and he's acting with his eyes. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, you barely see his face. It looks so real. Like I had a hard time just feeling like, okay, no, this is a movie. Like he's not actually a pilot. This is, this is a film because it seemed so real to me, you know? Yeah. Uh, Christopher Nolan just can't resist covering his mouth. Can he? I just want to see Tom Hardy act in a Christopher Nolan movie without, his mouth obscured or by that inception inception he's got the cool yeah that's true yeah. for a little bit he wasn't tom hardy then though like he is now <laughs> he's a tom freaking hardy uh yeah, man that stuff like i said they could have made a freaking movie of just that of just tom hardy and and all that but yeah. I, I think the stuff on the ground really really brings it home and again the mark Ryland stuff adds a definitely the emotion that you would want and the uh, the citizens kind of perspective on this whole thing and, mm-hmm. uh, and that was yeah. really good. Um, another very strong sequence is the grounded boat where all the soldiers get in the grounded boat and they're waiting for the tide to come in to, uh, to escape. That was crazy. And when they're all getting shot at, um, wow. When they're trying to plug the holes in the ship and they're getting shot so at. Much anxiety. Holy crap, Gosh. man. Like, are they going to drown or get shot? I don't know what's going to happen here. But mm-hmm. both the outcomes can't be good. I mean, that was just mm-hmm. wow, wow. Um, some other stuff, I, I guess. When a couple of the planes actually crashed into the ocean, I mean, did they really yeah. freaking crash planes into the ocean? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, well, it looks it's pretty like accurate. They used yeah. almost no CG in this film, so and to and to, yeah. to do it, I mean, they they do it multiple times. They had to because they shoot it from different perspectives. You know, you mm-hmm. see the plane crash from from the sea. You're like, oh, I guess a plane crashed. But then later on in the film, you actually are sitting in the pilot's chair or you're, you're Tom Hardy and you're looking at the other plane as it's going down. So I just loved how they worked out. They, they, they kind of, uh, they'll show you something that happened and then another scene will happen and they'll go back and show you, oh, here's what actually happened. Here's the circumstances behind that. And here's the context behind that, what happened. Um, the way they transitioned from scene to scene was seamless, very seamless. Um, the, the the guys actually you know crash in the oil and then the oil sets on fire in the ocean and there's this huge 
fire. I mean, you don't think about that stuff either. We think about war right. as just like guys burning alive because they're in an ocean that has oil in it, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah. The blind guy mm. with uh, the sun and it's everything. Oh, mm. man. Yeah, it's hard T- stuff. Tugged at the heartstrings for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And uh, that stuff all works flawlessly too. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of, of a comp- I haven't made a complaint. This is very rare for me to get this far into review without mm. saying anything negative, but I can't. It was a file scene. <laughs> when, when Tom Hardy's bringing that plane down and then he quickly opens up a file cabinet in the cockpit. When, uh, and is like, just has to throw him into his briefcase real fast. Like, uh. And he pulls up a file. He's like, yep, Dunkirk. He's like, it's just like some bullet facts about the city. And he that away and every that person that died, it's, yeah. It's even yeah, weirder, though, because see... his roller decks is broken, and so he can't, oh. you know, yeah, can't call anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, did you see the, the um, file scene I made for you this week? I did not. What was that about? Oh, you missed it. Text. I made you scroll through our text feed tonight, and I made you a file scene. Oh, God. I'll send it again. <laughs> Love file scenes. Everyone knows me knows <laughs> that I love those. Still on our Twitter, actually. Maybe I was a little. I mean, I I could take that back. I was a little pissed when Tom Hardy's plane is crashing and he's just cursing Galileo the entire time. I'm like, why? <laughs> Five times this year for this. <laughs> <laughs> leave Galileo alone. Hashtag leave Galileo alone. <laughs> um, all right, man. Junkirk, I want to see this movie again. Yeah, it, same here. It, it has the feeling of a movie that I would have watched in history class that was 50 years old. You know, mm-hmm. it, it already has that. It fits so right timeless. along. Fits, yeah, it's so timeless. It fits right along there with The Great Escape and with uh, Apocalypse sure. Now and with uh, Saving Private Ryan, like I mentioned earlier. Those, I mean, those iconic war films. This will be one that we talked about later in the year. I'm sure this is... Easily probably the front runner for best picture at this point. I mean, we're only in in July, mm-hmm. granted, but I think yeah. this is a shoe in for a lot of big stuff later in the year. I don't know about acting. Actually, I don't think any acting awards will come out of this. Maybe Boy, Mark yeah. Rylance was very Maybe good Mark in it, Rylance. Yeah. but he's good Mark in everything. Oh, go ahead, Brian. Gosh. Sorry, Mark Rylance was incredible. I'm so I'm so glad that we <laughs> get to see him now because it's like he's I don't even know how old he is, but he's been doing he's been working at his craft for so long and uh and really we i mean i hadn't i don't think i had seen him in a movie until 2015 bridge of spies bridge of spies yeah and he had the gunman with sean penn before that and then that what was it with that wolf hall was what he won um emmys for and now we've got bfg and we've got this and he's in ready player one next year and um it's just incredible yeah unbelievable it's it's amazing what you know hannah you mentioned tom hardy's acting with his eyes is, is incredible um what mark rollins is able to do he has this it's there's a subtlety to everything that he brings to the oh, yeah to the, to the screen and so sure. you're getting you're getting mannerisms and you're getting um expressions and you're getting and and it's the way in which he says these things especially when he's talking william murphy yeah. it's just like oh my gosh it's unbelievable and Stepping off the plane, these these little little quotes that, um, you know, this script is really short. You know, 50, I think it was it's only like, like seventy pages 70 long. Pages or something. Or something. Yeah. So dialogue is not a big 
part of it. And I think I think anybody could step into Mark Rylance's role, anyone of that you know age and stature, and you're and it, it would be fine. But he takes these little lines, like when they're getting off the boat at the end, and uh, and one of the soldiers yells something at the pilot mm-hmm. and about not doing his job or whatever. And he, it's like a three. He's like he points at the boat and just says, "They know what you did." And that's such a small that could be such a throwaway line, but that hit me right in the gut because it was oh, such yeah. a gosh, it was so powerful the way in which he he brought this very quiet um presence to that line. And and he does that five or six or, or, or more times throughout I, the I love the part where he where they're on the boat and and the 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 spitfire is coming behind mm-hmm. him and mm-hmm. and the boy says, um, you know, it's a, a a Spitfire, so that he didn't. He said, "You didn't even, you didn't even see it, or whatever." And he he knew what kind of engine, you know, Rolls Royce mm-hmm. engine. Right. I was like, I want him to be my grandfather. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I just, I Teach love this things. man. Yeah. yeah, he's so so good. And it, and you're right, it's Thanks. those nuanced things mm-hmm. that he does that, um, just, just oh man, it it was breathtaking. You know, his performance, absolutely. And that's something real quick I wanted to mention about just the acting in general. Um. Or I should say, really more, it's the writing, but the characters, because this is not going to be a film unless it's best supporting actor, because there's really not a main character. I mean, you're sure. you're you're in it to win it for everybody, but I mean, I know you know there's Finn Whitehead's character Tommy, he's on the cover and and all mm-hmm. that, but and the poster, I should say, but there's really not like a main character, and everybody's performance is so good. Can they just not win? I mean, a collective best if it's not the best Sag, picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. True. Mm-hmm. True, and and I I would hope for sure mm-hmm. that 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 goes yeah. out. Yeah, we'll you know. But what's cool about that too is that he is able. Your main, I guess, your main characters are all relative unknowns and Harry Styles, you know. But he, throughout the film, he's kind of inserted. It's Tom Hardy, it's Mark Rylance, and it's Kenneth Branagh, and so he, you and you Killian insert Murphy. these people here, yeah, and, so, and Killian Murphy, and and you can, um, you can kind of rely, you can jump back to those people and give, uh. Even if the actors aren't acting off of those people, you can kind of give the audience a moment of like resettling and and trying to and like reestablishing some um, the kind of like a face, you know, and a, and, a, and a voice, you know, and, and somebody that you can you can trust. And that's a really that's a really important. I think that's an important step to having this many unknown characters playing big roles, even if they're not talking a lot or. um <laughs> In some ways, they're they're just reacting to the crazy scenes that they're being put into. But when you can cut back five minutes later to Mark Rylance and or to Kenneth Branagh or whoever, I think that I think that gives a little bit. It gives the audience like a sense of of um, comfort, weirdly. Normalcy. To like know, yeah. yeah, to like know that okay, this is this is still happening. I would be like supporting actor is the toughest category every single year. There's always twenty people that could twenty guys that could be up for that award. Um, but this was Mark Rylance. That was the best. That's the best supporting performance I've seen this year by by a mile. It's not. Plus, it's he's not won close. before. So yeah, that, that helps. helps you. Sure. Yeah, like you're in the club of someone that gets nominated <laughs> for Oscars, and they think of you in that way, and all that. So sure. He probably sure. will. I would think. Yeah. I thought uh, Brenna was great too. He's so. Oh good. my gosh. Yeah. Always. Yeah. He's yeah. always. He's yeah. like so underrated, and mm-hmm. as a director and an actor, I think he's such a uh, a great talent and. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, he was awesome. I thought, and you, the aforementioned Styles, I thought was was very good. I didn't yeah. have. I thought he he did a great job. Used him very well too. Like, 
don't yeah. let's let's uh, maybe don't throw four four thousand lines at him. You know, we don't we yeah. don't want him in an Aaron Sorkin movie just yet. But let's yeah. you know we can put him in this and and it man he worked really well. Yeah, uh, the word I would use for Mark Rylance is he has a certain delicacy to what he does. That's a great yeah. way to put mm-hmm. it. It's a grace. extremely graceful. Grace. There you go as well. <laughs> And that really struck me in Bridge of Spies, especially that opening scene with him. Yeah. And the, like, um, all the little trinkets that he had as a spy. So good. But I'm excited My to My brother see... still says to me, would it help <laughs> if I'm stressed about something? He, <laughs> he quotes his character from that. Uh-huh. Would it help? Yeah. Um, love that guy and excited to see him in the future. I believe Steven Spielberg's working with him again on Ready Player One. And he was a BFG, too. You always forget that he was the mm-hmm. BFG. Yeah. And uh, if we are losing Daniel Day-Lewis, he's kind of an apt replacement for that mm-hmm. type of great... It always, yeah, it always yeah. fascinates me, actors that get famous when they're like 60. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing yeah. that I can... I, I, I'm going to be one of those guys. You're you're not going to hear about me acting until I'm <laughs> 70. <laughs> and I'm just that old guy that's in that thing. Uh, that's really cool. Uh, kind if of you ever have win. a chance to, if you're into this kind of thing, if you, there's tons of Rylance, um with the Royal Shakespeare Company, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, and all the parts that he did over the years there, uh, which are, are really fun YouTube things. I mean, he plays, because they do it pretty authentically, so he plays a lot of women, because they do it as the era did it. So, like, mm-hmm. it's pretty fun to watch him totally become different things. Absolutely. Man, very cool, very cool experience um, watching this. And I'm sure it won't be the last time we talk about it this year, but we need to talk about the ending. So, spoiler alerts coming up right now for Dunkirk. Um, like I said, I was wondering what was going to happen to Tom Hardy and didn't think that he was going to freaking land his plane on the beach and be basically walk away, you know? Uh, yeah. Awesome. Right into cool. the arms of the Germans. Yeah. yeah. My I heart mean, was broken. Yeah, right. that, was, that was rough. I mean, he he looks down at his friend pilot or co-pilot uh, guy as he goes down and basically his co-pilot landed his plane in the ocean you know mm-hmm. successfully without dying and he was probably thinking to himself man i could do that right now and probably survive this thing you know but uh mm-hmm. he stuck it out and that another tense moment is where he's cranking the freaking landing gear as he's going gosh, down my gosh. and he's yeah. like a, he's basically <laughs> like i said when the when the uh the ticking goes out. It's when his plane starts to become a glider, oh, you know, and it's just like you're giving gliding. me anxiety all over again. Kent. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. It's just gliding over these battles, you know, and he's just this hero and everything. What a cool moment and a triumphant moment. And, um, one of the better endings to a movie this, this year. And, um, very, very poignant way to, uh, to end this thing. But Wow. It wasn't really a twist or anything like that, like we're Christopher Nolan's known to do. Not really cliffhanger, mm-hmm. but a very appropriate ending, uh, I sure. would say it. And very, you know, this this movie ends and you see written and directed by Christopher Nolan. You're like, wow, that's one dude that did that, <laughs> you know, pretty <laughs> much. And uh, again, flawlessly executed. Great, great movie. Um, you guys have any other thoughts, closing thoughts, Hannah, uh, anything you noticed on the second time around that maybe stuck out a little bit more or anything like that? Cause I'm excited to see it uh, for a second time. Oh yeah. Yeah. You really need to. I mean, it's, it's, 
You know, it's it's tough to say. I think you would definitely pick up some new stuff. Um, I mean, I just loved every single minute of this movie. I think it's interesting how short it is. Um, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's it's one of no shortest to date. Um, and you're just, I mean, I'm riveted the entire time. What's that? Nothing wrong with a short movie. Man. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. No, that's Hopefully and this I. Yes, I know. Even wanting more. One thing I was thinking coming out of this was, man, they did not add in any unnecessary anything. You know, it was very like um, succinct and and I, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. I guess the actors to me, they do really shine. He Nolan used them so well. Um, that was something that I that I really thought about. Just everything they conveyed um, was so so well done on on their part, but because of his direction. Um, but another thing that I just love and and I really a couple things actually. One that I'll mention is the the idea that Nolan had for the film, which is a triptych. You know, one of those one of those pictures mm-hmm. that's split into three pieces, and um, that was just such a cool vision. I I love the way that he made it so artistic and um and and pulled that off so nicely <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was just something that stuck out to me and that's not really like a you mm-hmm. know plot point or anything like that it's just more of an overall vision but one thing that i will say and and really not to get cheesy here because um i'm i'm not too much about the cheese but but i think from a cultural and historical view um uh, something that was made so genuinely well and communicated amazingly was the resilience of the british people yeah and and it's tangible and it's inspiring and Mm -hmm. and you watch that and and it is a bigger i mean i i'm as an american and and as a history nerd and a film nerd i'm surprised i didn't know more about this event and not a lot of people that i know don't you know know about dunkirk and and a lot about that so plus it happened so early on in the war um but just incredible i mean you walk out just feeling like what kind of person am I going to be based on this film that I've seen? I mean, like, yeah. And I, I don't know. It's that, that was just something for me that really, it made an impact, man. This, this movie sticks with you when you, when mm. you leave theater. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's not too much else for me to say, but that. There, the sequence when the, when the civilians, when the British civilians come over in their boats and, and I think it's Kenneth Branagh is like looking out at the ocean and sees them rolling in. That is, that's such a, an organic sense of like, man, thing, sometimes nice, good things happen, you know, like, it's just like, it hit me hard. Just like what these people um, are doing right now is, is truly uh, inspiring and heroic and that that scene was was perfect and perfectly well shot and that i think that could have been i think it very easily could have been really cheesy or just okay we get it you know but instead um i think it it found exactly the right tone that you oh, need. Yeah. that's one of the best i think that's one of the best sequences of the movie um which is you know which is saying a lot backed by the score also it it hits mm-hmm. a major key and you're just like it swells and you're like okay Wow, like I yeah, I'm gonna be okay and they're gonna be okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody's gonna be okay. And it's interesting, actually I just remembered this was the second time around watching the film, and again, we're in spoiler territory, so this doesn't matter, but um when they show this is in one of the sequences, when they show um Farrier, who's Tom Hardy's character, um, push up on the throttle, I guess, and he's he's headed to, you know, finally end things i guess and that the the moment in that part 
um, the score hits a, a major note and it alludes to the where when he flies over everyone and it's it's everybody cheering and everything. So that yeah. was interesting because that mm, that doesn't happen gosh. until that very moment. And then you realize that it's later, you know, the whole one hour, one week, one one uh, day thing yeah. that mm. that Nolan does. But but yeah, it's it's actually happens movie and so it's almost like it alludes to like there's some hope and then you know cuts back to scenes of utter destruction Gosh. but but ends so well yeah yeah and the moment where Branagh basically stays behind you know to wait mm -hmm. on the French or the French troops or people or whatever was also uh like mm -hmm. man these people the, the thing about this is this is a great movie you know in the way it tells a story but this is all freaking happened you know that's what you think about mm -hmm. like this you know our grandparents ancestors did this and um i mean there's just you just you're stunned every time you see a, a movie about the great war or about world war one or vietnam because it's just it's 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 insane that it ever happened and there's just hundreds if not thousands of stories like dunkirk you know in you know, by the day in these things. Um, and I'm just glad Christopher Nolan could do this in the respectable way that he did and, you know, bring a, a, an air of creativity to it all and his own style. And, um, I'm just, I'm just pretty floored, uh, in the mm -hmm. end. So Same. let's, let's, uh, let's hit a grade here for this. I'm going to give this a freaking a plus loved it. Mm. Love the color schemes of it all, the green, you know, it's basically green and blue for the entire movie. I love the old school planes, too. Those look awesome. I love, I love, love old planes for some reason. Mm -hmm. I'm just really fascinated sure. by old school, you know, propeller-powered planes and, and fighters, you know, like the what Harrison Ford was flying when he crashed into a golf course. It's pretty much <laughs> the same thing. He basically pulled a Tom Hardy. <laughs> And landed that <laughs> son of a gun on a golf course, which is still awesome. <laughs> so American Frederick of him to do that. Uh, but this was uh, this was this was incredible. Um, so a plus from me, Hannah. Um, you know what? Can it can be nothing but an a plus for me as well. Um, it, it was kind of like right out the gate. I was like, oh, I, I know what this grade is going to be. Uh, one for the books. I think it's just flawless and I have zero qualms and zero complaints and I will be watching this movie for the rest of my life. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Pretty wow. Much. I, I might actually upgrade it to the 4K TV for this one. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> 5K, man. I'm going yeah. all in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian and Richard grades. Yeah, A plus for me too, dude. I loved it. This is a... I love the I love the the narrative structure. I know that was a, a holdback for some people uh, that saw it this weekend, but I thought that that added. I didn't expect that, and it added an element to the movie that I think took it from yeah. like a man. This should be a really good movie to like wow, this is incredible filmmaking on top of being a really good movie and a cool story. And I like too that it didn't that he was able to tell um, a real story without focusing so much on real people does that make mm. sense like to yeah. just be oh, yeah. able to like the, the focus of this movie should be dunkirk and the the history of what actually happened here not necessarily um some whatever some private or some uh fisherman or something like that and I, I thought that was a really cool thing and to the last thing i'll say to you is I, I thought it was a great choice to never once show the germans i thought 
that was an awesome. Yes, that was something of, I noticed too. It was very yeah. vague and just alludes to the enemy right. and like this whole thing. Yeah, I love it. I, I think that leaves you with a sense of of kind of like the foreboding doom of like what's out there, and you never you never get a chance to to um to like get. To, to see the Germans in this movie, it works really well to never see them as people. You just see them as like this force that's out there coming yeah. for you. And it's kind of like Jaws, you know, I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was a really good you choice. See, in it, in it. I guess the plane or the bomber or whatever, but that's, right, right, you, know, right. Was, yeah. but you never see it. Yeah, exactly. You never, never see you never, a person. never see a swastika like uh, yeah. flown around or yeah. anything like that. Uh, well, go I ahead, tell Richard. you, it's, it's also, it's also a very British choice. If someone comes from yes. like totally. a lot of, uh, uh anglo-saxon background here you know we we just we don't acknowledge or suppress things just suppress or don't acknowledge things and then they just disappear that's how these <laughs> these things work so if you just don't mention the nazis they don't exist and this this is all just sort of happening and you'll get through it um that's the uh the kind of british way i'm gonna go a plus as well maybe my probably my favorite movie of the year so far one of those not a surprise though so it's like right um, right the 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 feeling of euphoria is really the feeling of surprise, but this kind of provided its own euphoria, even though it lacked in surprise. So, so yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a plus as well. It's been a great but summer, guys. Yeah, really, it has. Oh, it totally. Awesome. Ken, your your tweet. Um, I guess it was. I don't remember when this the tweet was, but yeah, uh-huh. you you said like I hope that we can see more movies, you know, like Baby Driver and and mm-hmm. like Dunkirk. I mean, it's truly a great summer. I'm very yeah very surprised and, at uh, well, how things crazy. have been it's, going. It's not just money wise. I, I mean, I think the money's doing pretty well. Um, you know, it goes down a little bit some years, but if you look at the, um, I don't think I, I sent this to you guys the other day. The top ten movies in the country right now are Dunkirk, which is at ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Girls Trip is eighty eight. Spider Man Homecoming is ninety two. Planet of the Apes is ninety four. Valerian is fifty four. Despicable Me sixty one. So those are both mediocre to bad. Baby Driver ninety four. The Big Sick ninety eight. Wonder Woman ninety two. Than something called Wish Upon, which is twenty one percent. So I mean, that's an, uh, that's like an average, mm-hmm. especially in the top five of like eighty five percent on Rotten wow. Tomatoes for the top five movies in the country. That's to me insane. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, this has been uh, we talked about it on the show. This has been a good year for movies. There have been a lot of great movies this year. You know, um, I go back <laughs> to you know, Seven. I mean, there's there's been some some solid ones. Uh, like you know, John Wick Two was solid. Kong Kong was pretty solid. Life was pretty solid. Fate of the Furious. Um, I count Spider Man Homecoming in that. I count War for the Planet of the Apes in that. Um, I think those were very you know Wonder Woman. I think those are good, good if not great movies. Um, but the ones I mentioned, Get Out, uh, Baby Driver. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. I, I yeah didn't see that. Still, Get Out. The one, seen that. yeah, the ones I mentioned, Get Out, Baby Driver, and Dunkirk. I mean, they're like all timers. Mm-hmm. Good. I mean, yeah. they're like we'll be talking about those in ten years. You know, like we like in two thousand seven, ten years ago, we still talk about you know No Country for Old Men and and uh, mm-hmm. and so many movies back from that time that it was such a you know such a strong year. But there will be there will be blood and and, um, and others from that year that. Uh, I just think this is a unusually strong year for movies in general. You know, just the generic movies have been better. The blockbusters, the comedies, all that have been have been better. You know, guard, I didn't even mention Guardians of the Galaxy, which 
is one of the highest grossing movies of the year. Very solid too. You know, yeah, but I, I, I just think critical reception about Spider-Man, you know, and, and mm-hmm. everybody loves that movie. Everybody in front of me in line for Doug, Dunkirk was seeing Spider-Man. I was just like, okay, wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah the, the so, average movie yeah. has been much better this year, but the great movies have been great movies. And I mean, I mean, this is a, a sense of what's to come for Oscar season. We're in for a really, really good year to round it out with star Wars and, uh, you know, murder on the Orient Express and so many others that are coming out later this year that are very hyped and, and all that. I'm, I'm very, very anxious, but, this just adds to the list of wow factor that 2017 has been. You know, I've I've been let down. I don't know three times, four times in the theater that I can remember. King Arthur was let down. You know, the Circle, um, Baywatch, oh, and the, Baywatch, oh, and the gosh. Baywatch and the Mummy. That's it. Those that's four movies that I'm like those Transformers. Those Transformers. Well, Transformers. I don't even count. I don't count that. That doesn't count. Um. Pirates was fine, you know. It wasn't like a viscerally bad or anything like that. It was just there. Uh, so it's just been it's been an above average year, and I'm excited for to round it out. But speaking of round it out, let's round out this episode with a weekly recommend. How about that? Okay, awesome. Look at that. Weekly recommends. All right, Hannah, we will give you. Again, the first word in weekly recommends. Why, thank you. Um, so a couple episodes ago, or maybe it was last episode or whatever, and I, this was in preparation for this this ep, and I was trying to uh, figure out what my weekly recommend would be. And Ken, you, you recommended a few different albums, and so I felt like I had permission and, you know, to recommend a few different albums. This music, like I've mentioned before, is, is really huge for me. And um, I wanted to recommend a couple albums. So the first of which um, is going to be, I'm a massive Ray LaMontagne fan, um, just have been forever. And he's probably the goat, in my opinion. And he's like my go-to number one um, guy. And he released a record last year called Ouroboros. Um, and I think it's his sixth studio album uh, and it's phenomenal it's, it's just really good it's kind of a bit progressive um especially for him but it's it's definitely heavy in the progressive category uh nods to uh, pink floyd's dark side of the moon which is one of my all-time favorite records silent recommend there but um so that that is a fantastic um album and it's cool because i don't know if anybody listening or anybody here is a My Morning Jacket fan, but um, Jim James, the front man of My Morning Jacket, actually, he he uh, produced the record, and so they recorded it at, uh, funny enough, La La Land Studios in, in Louisville, Kentucky. So so that's a cool recommend. And um, the second following would have to be actually My Morning Jacket's album called The Waterfall. I've just been playing it nonstop, and both of these came out um, last year and then 2015 so they're not new um but and they're not new to me but but i've been just playing them non-stop lately uh, they're really good summer um vinyls to throw on and, and stuff like that so definitely music just always but but those two in particular are standing out to me right now that, that's uh it's right up my alley i went and saw i saw roger waters last week actually uh, oh my his, gosh his us and them tour that he's on right now and it was it was unbelievable, Hannah. He did. That's, 
I think Unfair. the first, <laughs> I think he did the first half of Dark Side of the Moon, like in his first, you know, right to come out. Um, and yeah. he did stuff from the wall, of course. He did stuff from animals. Was kind of the he has an intermission there, and the second half was basically animals, and it, you know, it's the Animal Farm album that they did, and it's a lot about you know they had a lot of very political imagery uh, in it and everything, wow. and uh, it was an incredible I didn't even experience. know he was touring. Yeah, he I is. mean that's I I know I, I I work I work on a farm, so that you know should be explanation enough for why kind of live under a rock. But mm-hmm. but basically that's that's uh that's really unfair. It's yeah, hate it, it was you now a little bit. It so. was great. Um, Sorry. That, that's all. Those are good recommends. I love the waterfall too, and I like. Oh yeah, uh, solid. Ray Nobody talks well. about it. Nobody yeah. talks about it. I've I've told so many of my friends um to listen to it, and some of them do, and you know. Yeah. They like it or whatever, but they're yep. not as high on it as I am. So good recommends. So, yeah. Good, good stuff. We love music Thank on you. the show. Um, I got a side yes, recommend. Yes, I'm so glad. I got to recommend. Actually, I'm pretty anti-music. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> too bad, Richard. Too bad. Uh, my recommend is kind of out of the box, too. I'm going to recommend an app this week. Um, it's available for iPhone, iPad. I'm not sure about Android. I apologize. Uh, actually, I don't apologize. I don't apologize for that. Um, it is. Uh, it's a money app called. No, yeah, I can recommend Tinder, of course. Yes, I can. Um, I, it's a money app called Clarity Money, and uh, this helped me out because I was always wondering, you know, how many things I was still getting charged for that I signed up for like four years ago that I forgot about. You know, like a four dollar uh, every six months kind of thing, or you know, an old. So, you know, an old on-demand app that I bought that I forgot about, and it's charging me what four bucks a month or something. I it's too little to even notice. But it's an app uh, that you sign in with your bank account, and it basically runs a scan on all your credit cards, all that stuff, and it's it's totally secure. It's backed by the banks or whatever, but um, it's just a great app for keeping track of finances, bills. Uh, again, things out of Ken's garage. What out of my garage? <laughs> I'm sorry. Your information. Sorry, you broke up there. I didn't make that up. Um, really good app for managing uh, kind of your day to day finances and bills and all that stuff. So really good interface, and uh, I can I can uh, I can recommend it. Clarity app on the iPhone. You'll thank me later. It's it's kept it's kept me on my uh, my P's and Q's when it comes to my uh, check balance in my checkbook and all that good stuff. So uh, Clarity Sweet. is uh, available now. iPhone. Check it out. Uh, Brian, what's your recommend? I'm going to recommend a show that's on Netflix that I have recommended in the past, but I, we didn't have half the viewers or listeners, excuse me, we do now. So just want to make sure everybody knows this is out there. And the new, it's fourth season is headed our way in about six weeks, I believe. So you want to have time to, to check it out. Uh, if you haven't watched BoJack Horseman on Netflix, uh, I, I highly recommend it. One of the funniest shows out there and pushing the envelope of what you can do with both a sitcom and an animated feature. It's got Will Arnett voices a talking horse who was a sitcom star in the 80s and is now a super washed up guy. And uh, his pursuit of trying to like regain his uh, his level of fame and has some of the funniest jokes that I've ever heard. It's like. It's not quite as joke on joke on joke as Arrested Development or 30 Rock or something like that, but it's in that kind of vein of, of humor, I think. So if you're a fan of 
those shows or even Family Guy or Simpsons to a degree, I think uh, I think you'll appreciate it. And uh, uh, it's it's worth it if for no other reason than Sinan, who's probably my favorite character on on TV this, right now. So check that out if you haven't already. And I think the first season's like early September. So you've got plenty of time. It's three seasons, 30 episodes. You've got plenty of time to get that in before the new season gets here. Awesome. Well, Bojack. Richard. Uh, I'm going to recommend a band that uh, the three of us went to see this weekend. And actually, Kent and I went to high school with a member of it. But uh, it's a really good, they're on all your streaming services, a good Americana band um, called the Quaker City Nighthawks. And uh, we saw them live, the three of us, which was rare that we were in, in each other's presence last week. And it was a really good show all the way through. Um, and uh, big shout out to the Granada Theater for uh, mm-hmm. hosting a fun week of shows. Um, but uh, yeah, Quaker City Nighthawks, great, uh, great little, you know, rock and roll uh, country blues band if you're into that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. They're really great. I oh, came no. out, guys. We, we did stuff together. We never get to do that. It was fun. Yeah. It was uh is good stuff, really good albums. Um it one called Honcho, that's great. Um El Astronaut is the new one, I think, and uh that's Spanish yep. for the astronaut. And oh, uh wait, what? Which they, oh. feel, they, they, ac- they actually told us that at the show. I did not know that, but they they told us that it was <laughs> did in fact yeah, mean the that's astronaut. That's the kind of stuff you see when you go live, you yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. they're awesome, man. They're just old school <laughs> blues rock, uh southern rock. Uh, really good vocals and and uh, they just rock. So love those guys. Quaker City Nighthawks, good recommend. Uh, well, Hannah, this has been awesome. You you oh, definitely so you, much, you had you had tons of great insight, and you're welcome back anytime, of course. But uh, this has been a really good conversation, and honestly, I wish we could talk Dunkirk for two and a half more hours. I, I would was be thinking the that. same thing. Um, it's been such a pleasure, and I'm just. Um, over the moon to be able to uh, to be on the pod. So thanks for having me on, and I look forward to uh, future episodes with y'all. Thank you for being on. Well, in the meantime, if we wanted to find you online, where would we do that? Um, well, I am on social media at Hannah in HD. That is like high definition. That's the um, only way to really people... see Hannah is in HD. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 4K. I should 4K, change it to 4K. Yeah, 4K. Um, which, yeah, that, 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 uh, that's been my... my my uh tag forever but that's that is me hannah in hd um a lot of people don't know what it says and i have to explain it so i'm explaining it and then uh yeah snapchat instagram twitter i'm not that exciting on social media um but yeah feel free to to follow and um i do occasionally write but that's not really something that uh (laughs) that would be on anything but instagram i guess so so check it out there cool uh brian where can we find you you can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies podcast newsletter, which may be out next week. So check that out. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on all social media at Richard Barty. You can find me on the Mad About Movies podcast newsletter. All that good stuff. Kent, I'm looking for you, buddy. Where can I find you? Online at Ken Garrison in, on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat, and KenGarrison.com. You can uh, find us also, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Uh, Join the VIP club there, uh, and all our shows are archived there as well. For your listening pleasure, we really appreciate the support. Uh, Subscribe on iTunes, leave us five stars, that helps a lot. And uh, until next time, uh, we'll be talking either Valerian or Big Sick or something like that. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a very vast difference in the two, but uh, we'll see. Thinking about Valerian makes me sick. So that's oh, that's good. the funny, you it's know. Perfect. Yeah. Hey, should make for a great hour of audio. Uh, yep. Until then, <laughs> we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. Your salads and scrambled eggs.